This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Ying.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Hey, this is Al Cole from CBS Radio thanking you once again for taking time out of your hectic schedules to tune in to another fantastic weekly episode of Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Another shout-out of wholehearted gratitude to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald's corporate sponsors, Halton Honda, Forever, and Aha That. Your reviews, clicks, shares, downloads, feedback, and testimonials are always appreciated. Lisa's purpose and mission is to uplift you to fearless and to live more. To appear as a prospective guest on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald or to connect with Lisa regarding her suite of products and services, you can reach Lisa at livingfearlesslywithlisa.com. So for now, hey, our fearless friends, here's Lisa Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so very much for joining me, rejoining me again on this lovely Friday morning. My name is Lisa McDonald, host of Living Fearlessly with the Contact Talk Radio Network. Listenership spans to 145 countries, 220 TV radio terrestrial satellites, and the potential for millions of iTunes downloads. Once again, we are joined by yet another phenomenal guest. So who is my guest of today? Well, what I can tell you is T. Crane has led a richly diverse life up to now and is still adding to his long list of achievements, adventures, and contributions to the world as a whole. From the time he was a little boy, he knew the pathway to his dreams and desires was only going to come to him through diving into a variety of experiences. He claimed his entrepreneurship at the age of six when he heralded his own lemonade stand. This was followed by his own jewelry business in high school. From his outwardly clean-cut professional appearance, one would never guess that he was one of the original wave of punks, as it just seems so unlikely. But that is exactly what makes T. Crane such a unique person. He refused to be locked, stuffed, or kept in a box that would be deemed as society's acceptable in all aspects. But then what does one expect from a university English major with a minor in Eastern Religious Studies? You might expect this person to jump into the entertainment industry as a performer, but you may not expect to find him behind the scenes where one sets up the stage for performers. However, the list of credits under his belt is a long one, from performing in bands as a singer to being in videos on Much Music, Canadian MTV, behind the scenes as he worked with some of the hottest A-list celebrities and world-renowned artists, such as the amazing James Brown, the original diva Diana Ross, comic sensation Chris Rock, and the soul-stirring Lionel Richie, and so many more. But as incredible as all of these achievements are, there was a time when things weren't so great. Illness took hold of T, and as it does, life changed on a dime. It was in this time that he began to search for teachers. He sought out and studied as much as he could under as many teachers as he could when something miraculous happened. He received his calling. See, the entertainment world was incredible. It was fun, exciting, afforded a wonderful lifestyle, but there was also something a little out of sync. What T found in his search for knowledge was, as mentioned above, his calling, which was to teach. But once the call came, another hurdle, stumbling block, roadblock, shook him to his core. He suddenly found himself homeless and broke. 
For most, this kind of upset, this kind of breakdown would have taken him out. But what T learned from all of his studies was that this was just another point in time. A point in his life that he would look at and say, it's only temporary. So he picked himself up, hiked up his bootstraps and put his nose to the grindstone and started to teach. In just a few years, with absolutely no money, he built a business. Not just a business, but a thriving business. T is now the creator of a multitude of life-transforming programs that he teaches. He is a successful coach, helping others overcome adversity, and he speaks at conferences and events, inspiring the masses. To say he is an extraordinary human being would be an understatement, but it will be said nonetheless, T. Crane is extraordinary. From homeless, ill and broke, to healthy, vibrant and thriving, through thick and thin, high achievement and adversity, T. says this, quote, I love my life immensely and am here to serve. My desire is that through my stumbles, tumbles and bruises, I can help guide others out of the treacherous places to a life that is fulfilling and on purpose with who they are. Wow. Welcome to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald, my friend. How are you? I'm great, Lisa. Wow. Thank you so much for that beautiful introduction. <laughs> well, that introduction is you, my friend. That's your life in a snapshot. So congratulations and kudos to you, not just on all the successful accomplishments, but more importantly, your indomitable spirit, because that's what allowed you to prevail. And that's what has catapulted you into the journey of being able to inspire and to uplift others. So thank you for that in terms mm -hmm. of paying it forward and being of service to the collective. Thank you. It really is about resilience, isn't it? It absolutely is. And uh, you've proven that tenfold over and over again. <laughs> As have and, you, my friend. <laughs> well, well la, I mean, the sea la vie, I mean, that's life. What else are you going to do, right? It's one of two choices. Yeah. You sink, you swim, you rise, or, or you don't. So yeah. one thing that you and I talked about, T, uh, behind the scenes on the phone in the lead up to this conversation some time ago, you, and I'm not going to say it because you said it and I got goosebumps and I said, we've got to save that for the airwaves. So mm. let's talk about in the hospital and what mm. caught your attention out the window. Uh, yeah. So uh, I had a heart attack uh, a few years ago and it was a real wake up call. And when I was about to, when I was being prepped to go in for surgery, I was in the, the room and I looked out the window and there was this beautiful big tree. And I love trees. I've got this long connection with trees. And I looked at the tree that was outside the window just before they came to get me. And it hit me that this may be the last time I see a tree. Hmm. And oh, it almost makes me want to cry right now. It was, I love trees. I don't want it to be the last tree that I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. I want to keep seeing trees. And that really really shook me deeply. Um, long story short, obviously, the, the surgery was a success. I was in and out and recovered quite quickly. But I still go visit that tree. Beautiful. And, uh, yeah. And I thank the trees every day when I see them. I connect with them with my heart. And uh, I'm so grateful that I have that deep, deep connection with trees. Lovely. Well, yeah. we're, we're akin in many ways, and that would be one of them. I absolutely love trees, and I've got them in artwork all over my house and tapestries. And yeah, oh, cool. so yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you've been all over the map. You, you know, you've been all over the map in life. You've had the highs, you've had the lows, you've had the ebbs, you've had the flows. You know, what do you define 
in your own life experience, T, as the essential ingredient in terms of being able to be resilient in, in to prevail, to come back from adversity? Like, what is that? Well, you know, it's something that my mom said to me when I was very young. And it was, a, my mom was my greatest teacher. Mm-hmm. She was so wise and very compassionate. And she told me, and it was so profound, she said, if you can get in, you can get out. Oh, I love that. So simple, but so true. Yeah. So if you find yourself stuck in a place, remember, you got in, you can get out of there too. And so I've always kept that to heart that whenever, oh, I've got goosebumps. Whenever I've gotten stuck somewhere, whenever I'm in something that isn't safe or isn't right or is taking me down somewhere that's uh, not exactly where I want to go, I know I can get out of there. Mm-hmm. And so as a result, you mentioned all over the map. Yeah, it's basically because I don't really know yet, even at this point in my life, what I really want to do. <laughs> when you grow up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like I'm still looking for, well, what am I going to be when I finally settle down? <laughs> right. So but I you think- do... You do Go try ahead. a lot of things when you're in that mindset. Like, it's like, okay, well, this was interesting. And now what's next? Mm-hmm. And I've never really followed that idea that um, you have a single life purpose. Mm-hmm. We have many life purposes that wash through our existence. Beautiful. You're the only one I've ever interviewed who's ever said that. Huh. Yes. Most people are defined by a singular purpose, right? And purpose implying uh end all be all for the most Hmm. part yeah well maybe for some but i really do believe that if we examine our lives we'll see all the number of times we were engaged by something and driven to explore it and then we move on to something else Mm -hmm. and allowing that progression of i have many purposes when i'm here and allowing yourself to fulfill those beautiful And so if we parallel your experience with the heart attack to what's currently happening, Mm -hmm. uh, that all the listeners would be able to identify in terms of COVID, in terms of what we're seeing Mm -hmm. now uh, with the heightened magnified uh, racial tensions, I would say racial pandemic. Um, Mm -hmm. So in terms of awakening, in terms of uprising, what do you foresee going forward? Uh, do you think this is going to awaken people? Do you think people are still fundamentally asleep at the switch? Like, what do you think's going on here, T? I think we're hitting a tipping point. Mm-hmm. And my hope is that people continue to be relentless in moving towards that. Where we've fallen down um, in, really, I would say our our. Uh, our, our reason for, for growing, our, our movement towards being truly civilized has been we give up too soon. Mm. So to be relentless in the way we pursue this, this concept of all human beings have a right to life and happiness, that it's not all about money. And I think the perfect storm occurred because the pandemic made everybody step back from the wheel. Yep. So we had time to think and reassess our lives. And then the other element interjected itself which was enough of this racial nonsense towards everybody i mean it's it's happening all over the world it's not just black lives matter it's it's uh, our indigenous people it's yes. it's the asian people it's everybody you know um it's it's uh aoc uh alexandria ocasio cortez said something very profound and she said this isn't politics this isn't left right this is up and down 
Mm-hmm. And this whole movement is about who wants to be on top and who want, who's stuck on the bottom. And we have to change that. Mm-hmm. And really, that's what we're seeing. We're seeing that tipping point and moving towards erasing that up down to a certain degree. Um, yeah. and, and is it your thought, T, because, I mean, I, we may have spoken about this in initial conversations, but if we parallel this with 9-11 or anything that's transpired in the history of our lifetime, you know, mm-hmm. we think sometimes that's got to be the major catalyst. And we see people rally. We see people come together. People go through a period of, of unification, solidarity. And you think that that's going to prevail. You think that that's going to be enough um, of a moment marked, embedded on people's spirits that they're not going to go back or default to the new, the previous normal of once upon a time before that moment brought everyone together. Do you see COVID? Do you see George Floyd? Do you see all of what's happening right now being paralleled with the 9-11 situation where eventually once we we get beyond where we currently are to whatever new normal looks like, that people are going to lose the lesson? They're going to lose the essence of what was supposed to be learned here? I hope not. I mean, it's hard not to have a shaken faith in humanity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think the older you get, the more you see human nature it can be its own pandemic in a way. Yeah. Uh, I do really feel, though, that we haven't seen anything on a global scale like this ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm so heartened by seeing hundreds of thousands of people marching in the street all over the world and demanding change and demanding a right to enjoy life, to quality of life. Mm-hmm. And that's really what this is about. It's the quality of life. We've had that taken from us piece by piece by piece. And I think that uh, there's a demand now to have that restored. Very so, true. Yeah. And um, I know my background, like even in the original punk scene, it was about being informed, doing it yourself, not becoming um, like the original movement was no drugs because you didn't want to be dulled. You wanted to be aware. You wanted mm-hmm. to be self-educated. Uh, you wanted to be able to take your destiny into your own hands. And the concept was cooperative anarchy, where we can police ourselves, we can take care of ourselves. When somebody misbehaved, uh, us as a collective were able to address that rather mm-hmm. than have an external force come in and shut that down. And I think that more and more we're moving towards that. We're hearing the movement of defund the police, which doesn't mean eliminate police it means restructure the way that it works make Mm -hmm. it community-based so that you know the cop in the corner is actually somebody that you know and that cares about their community and is there to serve and protect which is that original statement that should have held true all these years right Um, yeah so i think that we have hit a tipping point um whether it rolls back i don't know but i hope it doesn't i hope that this keeps moving us forward into a better way of being yeah Absolutely. What do you think well, about that? Um, okay, this is your interview. <laughs> oh, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. You're so sweet, though. But oftentimes, the occasional guests will try to, you know, flip things or or they'll thank me or they'll sing my praises. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's lovely, but this is all about you. And I really do want to capitalize on this being about you. We're okay. friends, so we'll have that conversation another time for sure um, on the phone. But thank you. You're so sweet. Um 
but no, I will echo your sentiments just generically very quickly. I'll, I'll say I echo your sentiments too. You know, I, I think, you know, maybe nine 11 isn't a, a true fair comparison because I mean, that was still, that still was global. It affected travel. It did affect the economy. Uh, it affected policies, procedures, law, it, it affected everything. But I mean, mm-hmm. in terms of what we're seeing right now, everybody's on shutdown, everybody's on lockdown. So the one thing I will say is I think this is the first time that I can recall in my lifetime where we've all been in the same boat. And as much as I think that we're all in terms of humanity, I will always err on the side of believing that we're more good than not. We're more positive Mm -hmm. than not. We're more bright than dark. Um, I think people can't really, people can't really understand definitively somebody else's situation unless they too have experienced it. And I think this is the first time we've all experienced the same thing at the same time. So this has enhanced and increased our degree, depth, breadth of compassion, empathy, uh, putting ourselves in someone else's shoes. Um, So I'd like to think that this does have long lasting impact and effect uh, that does rehumanize us, that does reunify us, that does, you know, it, it really it really gets us going where we've always kind of professed we want to go, but then it becomes lip service and then it becomes default into the old humdrum patterns that weren't necessarily, you know, constructive for the collective. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I saw there was a video uh, that was pushed by Dale Earhart Jr., the mm-hmm. race car driver. Yes. And it was NASCAR. And they put out a video that is about the change mm-hmm. that we are going to fight for this cause. We support Black Lives Matter. And that's shocking for NASCAR to jump mm-hmm. on board with this, this kind of a thing. So there are a lot of things where I'm seeing that that beauty of human spirit that you you spoke about is coming to the front, uh, the compassion. And I honestly believe that we should start, go back to teaching compassion and cooperation in schools. Absolutely. Uh, we've gotten lost from that one where we're teaching the necessary subjects so that we can be integrated into the job force. I think we really need to get back to being integrated into humanity. Yes, absolutely. Well, I mean, if you take a look at what's, you know, the curriculum, and I know people are being homeschooled. I mean, I'm homeschooling my mm. children. Um, but in terms of whatever the new normal ends up looking like, you know, to what degree is what our kids have been learning up until this point how applicable is it? You know, like if we're going to see an expansion of entrepreneurship, innovation in a way that we've never seen it before, because business is changing, things have Mm -hmm. had to change people, uh, things will continually have to change, you know, but as you said, going back to to learning about soft skills, what does it mean to heal? Because we're all healing from something. And that's going to be our children and our grandchildren's uh, situation and circumstances for whatever going forward too. you know, marriage, Right. Yeah. How, how many people get married, but how many people are prepared to even know what that type of commitment looks like? What does that entail? What does that require? Yeah. Um, you know, so there's just so many things in terms of the practicality and the reality of what real life looks like for every human being on some level that you're unprepared for throughout the, the school system. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, one of my latest thing that I've been doing is uh, I became a driving instructor a year ago. Uh, teaching kids how to drive. 
Awesome. And it really is awesome. And in that, I'm able to impart some other life lessons as well, for sure. Uh, but the youth today are phenomenal. Um, when I think back to where I was at at their age, not mm-hmm. even close. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, um, I'm seeing a real shift in how youth think and it does encapsulate more humanity and that mm-hmm. search for how do I relate to everybody? How do I accept everybody for who they are and what is the right and the good? And I think that there's a real movement in our youth that we have to encourage. And uh, yeah. So, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this, Lentee. So for all your life experiences, um, you know, if, if you were to put yourself as objectively as you possibly can under the microscope, what most impresses you about you in terms of your own healing, your own self-actualization process, your own evolution, your own expansion, transformation? What are you most either surprised by, impressed by, proud of, um, all of that? Uh, that's a great question. Um, every year on my birthday, I go stand in the middle of this street and I yell to the sky, I'm still here. Fantastic. And I, I yell that, that in the middle of the road. <laughs> I do. It's a quiet street. <laughs> okay. I was going to say, I, like, you don't... <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. I'm tempting the fates, for sure. <laughs> but I, I call it out to my ancestors, to all my friends that have gone before me. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of them. A lot of my friends aren't here anymore. Uh, over the last five years, I've lost all my close friends mm-hmm. um, in one way or another from weird scuba diving accidents to car accidents to cancer to all of it Mm -hmm. and I'm still here for some reason and so it surprises me because I have in my past I lived quite recklessly where it was about the adventure Mm -hmm. not the longevity I was in it for the for the depth of the moment rather than the long run and Mm -hmm. I'm still here so obviously there's something that I got to keep keep doing and uh, stay on top of. And I think probably if I look back on my life, it's my ability to to stick with it, to be resilient, to always rise above. And I have grown my heart because uh, I came from a, um, a, a, well, lack of a better word, an abusive background to a degree. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that shut me down. And I know now uh, with the training that I've had, I was very close to slipping down that uh, path to psychopathy Mm -hmm. and uh, able to pull myself back because that's not where I wanted to be. And through a really concerted effort, change and grow myself to where my heart led uh, instead of my pain. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, oftentimes uh, some of the consensus that comes forward with myself and my guest uh, each week on the show, and you can agree, disagree, challenge it, whatever, T, is oftentimes people will say um, that their purpose is, is a derivative of pain or desperation. It's not passion, mm-hmm. right? Because when you find yourself in the abyss, very quickly we find a way in which to navigate our ways out of it. Uh, yeah. And then when we, when we realize that the solution worked for us, we're only mm-hmm. too eager, too happy to impart that, knowing it's going to uh, collectively elevate other people as well, right? We share the wealth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, uh, when I lost everything, as I call it, yeah. the period of darkness that I went through, um, 
there were moments where I, I just fell to my knees in agony. Like mm-hmm. I just, I, I couldn't see a future or how I was going to get out. And I had this revelation back then that I'm actually quite pleased I did this. It's it surprised me that I had the foresight to do this. I began tracking what I was going through, what I was feeling, what I was thinking, and what I was trying and developing to get myself through it. Awesome. And from that, I developed the first training system that I actually taught called Vertical Living. And there were eight tools that I developed that got me through that and rebalanced me. And the reason that I taught that uh, with such passion was because if you're in an emotionally dark spot where you don't know how to get out of it, where you can't see a future for yourself, mm-hmm. the progression of these eight tools brings you out of that and restores you to a, a real island of strength. So that's uh, because it worked for me. I went, okay, I got to share this to people. And I've refined it over the years, but uh, it does work. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm really glad that I tracked my journey of pain so that I could, uh, and how I got out of it. Because again, my mother's adage of if you got in, you can get out. Absolutely. So Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, the growth comes from the pain, right? Because unfortunately, the people who choose to deny it, suppress it, uh, you know, project it, gamble it, whatever the case may be, um, you're just delaying the inevitable, right? Yeah. And, and And you're postponing what could be by stepping into healing and um, strength and finding mentors, coaches, the tools that you've just described. I mean, you know, that's where the growth is. And mm. it's uncomfortable, but pretending that things don't exist or stifling your feelings or eating things or drinking things or drugging things away into mm-hmm. numbness, never the solution, ever. No. Um, no, it's not. And you, it's one of the one of the most hilarious things about human nature is the thought that we think we can lie to ourselves or hide from ourselves. Yes. We really can't. <laughs> no, we can't. Like when I have a, when I have a coaching client who's, who's not being forthwith with themselves, like not really being honest with, with what's going on. I go, come on, man, you and I both know what the truth is here. <laughs> say it. <laughs> right. Just say it. And once they say it, you can just see the relief wash over them. It's like, there you go. How does that feel? You've just let go of that. Absolutely. Instead of trying to bury this big gas bubble, let it release, you know? Well, I mean, I think a lot of people carry unnecessary shame. I mean, we've all been in precarious situations. We've all made poor decisions. Um, mm. And I believe it was Maya Angelou who said, you know, when we know better, we do better. So, I mean, we're right. human. We're going to make mistakes. And so for people who pretend to wear this veil of perfection or nothing touches me or, you know, somehow that happens to majority of other people, but I've kind of come out of that unscathed. Well, come on. Like, who can relate to you? I mean, if that's the crap that you're feeding yourself, that's wonderful. If that's what gets you through the day. But at the end of the day, if you're in the personal growth, personal development industry, if you're anything in, in realm of leadership... Um, people aren't going to buy into that because being a human being, we know that right off the bat, that's untrue. Yeah. Yeah. We all have, if anything I've been taught, like working with celebrities or A-list artists, um, they're people, they put their pants on one leg at a time. doesn't matter how much money they have, fame, glory, whatever accomplishments, they still have a lot of pain too. And they Mm -hmm. have things that take them, take them out. So, um, they're, we're all in this boat together, even though it looks like it's all different levels. 
We mm-hmm. all suffer. We all have joy. We all have these things. And I think going back to what this movement is all about, I think the strongest point of it is to recognize we are all in this together. We yes, are we all are. human. And uh, the difference is just superficial. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what grounds you, T, aside from the trees, nature, things, you know, but, but what do you, when you start to sense that you're getting a little bit overwhelmed or things are tripping you up, no matter how good you are at recalibrating and reconfiguring your mindset, what do you do? Like, do you have daily mantras? Do you have rituals? Do you have proclamations, declarations? Do you have a regimen? What works for you? Well, I meditate every day. Uh, yeah. That really helps, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Qigong, I'm a Qigong practitioner as well. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is just realizing that whenever I feel super uncomfortable, on the other side of that is growth. And yes. one of my teachers taught me that. So when you're feeling that discomfort and that, uh, you know, that uh, uh, that grumble, <laughs> yeah. know that once that bursts, you're going to be expanded. And once you've expanded, you can't go back to what you were. So there's a sense of anticipation as well of, well, I wonder where I'm going to end up on the other side of this. Mm. It doesn't make it more enjoyable, but it certainly creates a sense of anticipation of progress. Absolutely. I just realized your your name is one letter away from tree. Oh. I didn't even <laughs> think of that. <laughs> it just dawned on me right now. Do you have a favorite tree? Um. I really love Arbutus trees, mm-hmm. but at the risk of offending my other tree friends, I love all trees. There you <laughs> so go. Arbutuses <laughs> aren't necessarily, but all trees are so beautiful the way that they they grow. And also, I don't know if, if you, you know this, you probably do. Um, underneath the ground, trees connect with all yes. life. Yes. So when you go into true forest, all the things that grow around the trees are part of the trees community and they communicate and uh, underneath the soil with one another, they have this beautiful network and um, you can tap into that. If you relax yourself, if you meditate to a tree, for example, you'll really mm-hmm. sense something going on there, a communication. So yeah, I love trees. Beautiful. <laughs> no, yeah. me too. But I just, yeah, I couldn't believe I didn't realize that until now. That yeah. I'd... Yeah. <laughs> It's my name and I didn't realize. (laughs) (laughs) That's wild. Um, So for anybody who's listening, and of course my whole show, everything that I I stand for, it's all about living fearlessly. And that means different Mm. things to different people. And clearly your life, you know, exemplifies in many different ways how you have chosen to step into living fearlessly. But what does that mean to you, T? And and, and what advice do you have for the listening audience, the the radio listeners and the podcast subscribers, for anybody who's enamored by your story and going, okay, wow, that guy's been all over the map and yet here he still is. He's laughing. He's grateful. He's plugged in. You know, so what does living fearlessly mean to you and and what advice or suggestions or nuggets do you have for the listeners? Well, fearless is a really interesting word, and I admire your use of it very, very much. Uh, Thank you. For myself, I don't believe you can be fearless. I find that fear is actually quite helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, It's acting in spite of fear. Yes. That is the key. So we all get afraid. What do you do when you're afraid is where it's important. That's where the rubber hits the road. Mm-hmm. Um, do you paralyze yourself? Do you go with the easy course? Or do you actually 
look it in the eye and keep moving. You know, uh, there is a uh, Winston Churchill said, if you find yourself in hell, keep going. Yes, I love that. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not a huge fan of Churchill and what he's done necessarily, yeah. but he did have some really brilliant lines. Yes, he did. Them. Yeah. Um, so when you find yourself in that point of fear, start thinking about, okay, what are my resources? Where do I want to be? How do I start moving towards that? What do I have to do first? Beautiful. And when you run through that little checklist, it grounds you, it focuses you, and then you just begin, okay, what do I have available to me? And what mm -hmm. do I need to, uh, to, to keep progressing? And what do I do first to start moving mm -hmm. through that hell I find myself in? Mm -hmm. And, you know, taking responsibility for where you are is great, but sometimes too, circumstance shows up. Yes. So yes, series of choices puts you where you were, but sometimes too, other stuff happens. We're surrounded by other people's choices as well. Mm -hmm. So learning how to navigate your ship. Um, can I share with you a really crazy story that happened to me? Oh, I love crazy stories, please. Man, this is nuts. So many, many years ago, uh, I used to go back and forth to Calgary on the train because the train was actually cheaper than the bus or the airplane. Wow. And so I would buy train tickets and I would, I would go from Vancouver where I was living to Calgary and then back. And this one time I was going and it was a lot of fun. So we go to the bar car, I play guitar and sing and write songs and stuff. And there'd always be a jam session that we could get going. Mm -hmm. And one particular train trip heading to Calgary, um, in the bar car, guy had a guitar. I started playing it. Another guy got a harmonica. Somebody got a mandolin. And we had this wonderful all day long jam. But over in the corner was this guy in a suit with a briefcase under his arm, drinking scotch, watching all of us. <laughs> really, really quiet. Until it came evening time, they were going to close the bar car. And uh, it was just him and me left in the car. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, I envy you. And I went over and I sat with him. I said, you envy me? Why do you envy me? He goes, you... You can get 10 bucks in your pocket and a backpack and that's your life and you just live this adventure. Me, I'm nailed down. I would yeah. love to have that kind of freedom. And I looked yeah. at him and I said, really? I wish I had 100 grand so I could really make some great art. And he said, <laughs> let's have breakfast tomorrow morning. I said, you're on. And we shook hands and I went to my, my sleeping berth. And then about 20 minutes later, the train stopped for a significant amount of time, then it carried on. And uh, I went to the bar car the next day. He had given me his card, or I went down to the dining car because I was going to meet him for breakfast. And I went up and I said, yes, I'm waiting for Mr. And I won't say his name. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, uh, the conductor looked at me and said, oh, I'm so sorry, sir, but uh, he had a heart attack last night and was taken off the train. Wow. I went, oh, Okay. And so I carried on to Calgary. I told my mom about the story. I came back to Vancouver, and about a week after that, she sent me a, a newspaper clipping, because back then we didn't have internet. And the newspaper clipping was about this guy. He was a retired gold merchant, and he died of his heart attack, and they found $7 million in cash in his luggage and briefcase. Get out! And they don't know where it came from. As oh far as they could tell, it God. wasn't dirty money. His family had no knowledge of it. They don't even know why he was on the train. And I was the last guy to talk to him. And he said so he was envious his, of you. His last words to me as I was leaving that bar car, the last words he uttered to somebody was, 
Always remember you're the captain of your own ship. You steer it wherever it goes. Don't ever forget that. Wow. T, that's an incredible story. Crazy, eh? Crazy. I mean, but it's filled with so much symbolism. Yeah. Right? I mean, I mean, right down to the money, right? What what was found on his person, and yet he's saying to you that he envies you. Isn't that wild? Yeah. No kidding. It just goes to show, right? It just goes to show. Yeah. But um, and I'm you a must... total. I'm a weirdness magnet. I attract this stuff to me. All well, the time. Sa- same here. <laughs> I mean, why do you think you're on my show? Why do you think we know each other? Come yeah. on. <laughs> Weirdos unite. <laughs> That's right. Freaks unite. Yeah. But um, wow, you must think about that I mean if that happened to me if that was my exchange with somebody and that was the outcome that was the story I think I would think about that probably every single day pretty much for many many years he was in my thoughts every day wow yeah the pressure he must have been under no kidding poor fella no kidding and and to think fast forward because how many years ago would that have been before your own heart attack Oh, that was that was 1986 that that happened. So yeah, long time ago. So he must have been heavily on your mind at the time of you having had your own heart attack. Uh, he was, yeah. Um, my heart attack. I was concerned about my partner. Right. Um, I realized, and this is a good thing. I always, I had thought for years that I've done enough in life. If I go now, I'm good. And when I was in that bed where I was actually having seven to eight mini attacks a day and they couldn't figure out why. Um, so I was under 24 hour a day observation for them to try and figure out what was going on with my heart. First of all, before I went to surgery, I was awakened to the fact that I'm not ready to go. Mm. It's not time yet for me. Mm-hmm. So let's get this fixed so I can get out of here. And I didn't want to go. And I actually experienced a fear and regret that I had ever said, Oh, I'm good to go. <laughs> yeah, I'm be not. careful what you put out there because the universe will give it to you. <laughs> yeah, it put it all. You're good to go, are you? Here you go. Uh, no, Here no, you no, go. No, I changed my mind. I'm not ready yet. <laughs> wow. And let's talk a little bit about that because um, sometimes when we don't even realize that we're under stress, sometimes people are mm-hmm. cognizant of the stress that they're under. Sometimes it's the silent killer, right? Because you're just yeah. so on the treadmill and you're so immersed in your patterns and your behaviors and um, your commitments and your scheduling that you don't see anything as being untoward in terms of, you know, a threat to your health or your well-being or anything. So what was going on for you in terms of the contrast before and after? Uh, I had launched a business venture with a couple of partners that... Uh, Turned out one of them was less than honest. Mm-hmm. And Been it, there. Yeah, it was uh, almost three years of intense work, and it failed. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was, that was very stressful. Uh, I had uh, put everything, all of my energy and time that I could muster into that. Mm-hmm. And so there was that stress. There was, you know, it was a combination too of me letting myself go um i was eating badly i wasn't taking care of myself those kinds of things were also involved so Mm -hmm. after the heart attack i actually got back on track 
and I eat very healthy now and, uh, I exercise regularly. I lost 60 pounds wow. and, uh, yeah. And I, I feel really good and strong right now. So, uh, it was just like, I got to reclaim my life mm-hmm. because I had let it fall apart with the single-minded focus of trying to make this company work. Mm-hmm. And, uh, a lot of good came out of that, uh, that three year period, but it was incredibly stressful. Mm-hmm. Incredibly stressful. <clears throat> why do you think people? Why do you think people wait for crisis to occur? Like whether that be conscious or subconscious. Like why does it take a crisis for people to have a wake up call? Call it pandemic. Call it racial pandemic. Call it your own heart mm-hmm. attack. Like what is that about us as people? What, because we know a plethora of people and have been subjected to enough stories, uh, whether it be in the news, people we know personally or not. Um, you hear people talk about these kinds of stories or epiphanies or aha moments all the time. But what mm-hmm. is it about us that thinks that we're personally immune to this? Right. Well, Eckhart Tolle actually talked about that, about uh, personal expansion. It can happen one of a few ways. And one way is through isolation and study, which is rare. Mm-hmm. And the most common way is through sickness. Mm-hmm. When you get to that point of going, wow, it's, it's going to end unless I do something. Uh, that's when you start to make a change. And I think a lot of it is we don't believe our own mortality. Mm-hmm. Like I remember when I first took up skiing, I was, well, I think I was 16. And going down the slopes, I learned how to ski and I really got good at it and enjoyed it. But when I was first starting, there was these kids that were like seven, six, five years old, whipping by me down the slopes with no poles. <laughs> And I'm barely able to keep myself on my um, on my skis. And it was that sense of fearlessness that yes. uh, oh, nothing's going to happen to me. And that when I think back to when I was young, it was the same thing. When you're youthful, it's like, yeah, nothing's going to happen. And some of us always go, well, that happened to them. It's not going to happen to me. And it's the same mm-hmm. with the mask wearing that's going on now. Uh, I wear a mask when I go out. And the number of people I see that don't. Mm-hmm. Just walk around, get close to you, not wearing a mask. Oh, it won't happen to me. Uh, I've had three friends that came down with COVID-19, and I've got a few friends whose parents have died from it. So wow. it does happen. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't discriminate between who you are and what you believe. If you get exposed to it, you'll get it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, we got this weird sense of uh, everybody else but me. Right. Until it happens to you, you know. And I think that might be a human survival mechanism mm-hmm. to keep us keep us moving forward yeah if, if we thought that all this stuff could happen to us we'd become paralyzed true absolutely yeah. true and you know and i'm not even talking about the recklessness as it pertains to perhaps fearlessness um but in terms of like you know toxicity and different dynamics relationships that go on hmm. longer than they should people we allow into uh, our yeah. circle that we never should have you know, not responding to our spidey senses, our intuitiveness, all that accumulates. And that's what leads to heart attacks. That's what leads to tumors yeah. and ulcers and things of that nature. So I'm not even talking about, you know, the analogy that you use where kids are whipping down the hill without the poles and stuff. There's that, that extreme and there's that example. But I'm just talking about day-to-day life where people know other things, call it other people's energy whatever it's not aligned with them it's not good for them it's not conducive to who they actually are and yet we allow it into our sphere right it's so hard to trust that little voice inside isn't it 
Yeah. When you get not, that well, nudge that any, goes. Not anymore. Not oh, anymore. Oh, no, not anymore. Yeah. Not anymore. Uh, but once upon a time, yes, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like a, we, we get burned so many times to go, okay, I'm going to listen to the voice. And then mm-hmm. I found myself not listening to the voice. And then it happens again. So, okay, I got to listen to that voice. That's right. Now I really listen to the voice. <laughs> yes. You can't afford not to now. <laughs> but I think a lot of that too, uh, why we don't is FOMO, fear of missing out. Yeah. And, you know, we really want to believe that something awesome is going to happen. So we stick with it and mm-hmm. it doesn't. Mm-hmm. The other thing is better the devil, you know, right? Yeah, true. So, you know, that's why people stick in a bad marriage because there's a bunch of reasons for that. When you uh, exit a bad marriage, you feel like a bit of a failure. Mm-hmm. You know, I know I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I felt like I had failed. And mm-hmm. it took a while to overcome. I was surprised that I felt that way because mm-hmm. it wasn't working. It had to end. And yet mm-hmm. I felt like I had failed somehow. And it really, it's not failure. It's uh, just we're incompatible. Yeah. It has to be a That's change. That's exactly the word yeah. I was going to use. Yes. Yeah. There's got to yeah. be a change. People mm-hmm. are always growing and sometimes you grow apart. Right. <clears throat> so. Well, I mean, you could arguably say that, uh, you know, in terms of a, another definition of failure and using the example of marriage, it's the people who stay together for either the sake of the kids or whatever other reason. Finances are, you know, th- I look at that and it's not about being judgmental, but if we're just talking about the contrast of examples, you know, mm. where it might seem more, um, it might seem more obvious that one might deem themselves to be a failure because their marriage fell apart. I flip everything on its head and I go to the devil's advocate and I think to myself, well, no, I think living a lie is failure. And so if if living a lie means staying shacked up for the rest of your life with somebody who makes you feel spiritually dead inside, um, I mean, really, you've got to take accountability for that because it's your choice to stay or go. You're an adult, right? Absolutely. yeah, but I think for people who, you know, call it because they don't want to disappoint other people or, you know, they just got so many years invested, they feel like they don't want to start over either by themselves or with somebody new, or they think this is my lot in life, I may as well just deal with it, you know, but it's that dummy down mentality. It's the, you know, nothing could be greater on the other side of whatever. It's, it's, but again, that's the old script and adage that we continue to pump ourselves to justify our decisions, right? Yeah, yeah. And we do that in all different levels of our life, too. Yes, we do. Absolutely, yeah. we do. Bad Absolutely. jobs. Absolutely. Yeah, bad location, bad landlords, whatever. Bad roommates. <laughs> <laughs> we do it to ourselves on every level. <laughs> We certainly do. We certainly yeah. do. We're, we're quite comical, like us as the species. We're quite hilariously and pathetic. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's that endearing quality that all humans have. It's like if you can zoom out and look at us as just a species, you yes. go, oh, those poor things. You know, they're amazing <laughs> can never get and their wonderful shit together. <laughs> and comically unaware. <laughs> right. Yeah, they're always shooting themselves in their foot. (laughs) Yeah, just can't get it together, those human beings. Yeah, and this is the tipping point thing where I do really do believe that we as people collectively are starting to realize 
that we can live a good life where we care about each other, where we mm-hmm. have a society that's compassionate and heart-centered. Mm-hmm. And that's what's been lacking. We didn't believe that that was possible. And it's very much like divorcing the old system mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh- Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, now that you're somebody who more so than ever in your life uh, doesn't take things for granted, like health, uh, good relationships, et cetera, et cetera. What is it that you're continuously relinquishing at the same time you're simultaneously embracing? What things are you cognizantly mindful of every day in terms of remaining integral with self and being in honor uh, of your own spirit? T. The last thing that you just said is honoring my own spirit. There you go. So not compromising who I am. Yeah. Uh, honoring who I am. Mm-hmm. And if you don't agree with it, hey, that's fine. You know, you go agree with whatever you agree with. I agree with what I agree with. And that's not a bad thing. There's no right way, wrong way to live your life. There's mm-hmm. your way to live your life. And so I think that's really, if, if we're going to talk about life purpose, that's as close as I would get to it as, Finding the way that to live your life that brings you your sense of fulfillment and joy. Absolutely. Here's your hat. What's your hurry? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Just relax. Just relax. (laughs) That was a great story about the first time the Dalai Lama came to North America. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was uh, told by a journalist from Los Angeles who uh, had... His parents were Tibetan, but he was born in America. Mm-hmm. And he was contacted by a Tibetan uh, group and said, uh, the Dalai Lama wants to come and visit America. and We want you to organize the tour. And he said, well, I'm a journalist. I don't know anything about organizing a tour. And they said, no, that doesn't matter. You're Tibetan. That's what's important. And so he went, oh. So he contacted his friends. And <laughs> some of them had done tours before. So he got some information and overcame the Dalai Lama. And he said it was really remarkable that he came over with his entourage of monks and they were all equal. And um, there was no level like the Dalai Lama wasn't the boss, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And he had organized a series of places to go. And one of these places was a university he spoke at. So they were driving back and there's nothing else to do that day. When the Dalai Lama said, I'd like to go up there. And it was a ski resort on top of a mountain. So that Mm -hmm. mountain looks like my home. And so they drove up to the mountain. He went in and got the manager of the ski resort. They came out. And it was funny because the monks wear these flat shoes. And so they were slipping around and they went inside. They went up the chairlift. And uh, when they got off, they were up on top of the mountain enjoying the view. And he turned to look just as the Dalai Lama stepped into this area that he wasn't supposed to stand, which was right where the chairlift lets off. And these two young girls came off the chairlift and knocked him over the edge. Oh. And he went, disappeared from sight. And he went, oh, my God, I killed the Dalai Lama. So he went running over and looked over the edge. And there was his holiness laying in the snow. And he was shaking. And he was face down. So he went running down to him and pulled him up. Are you okay? And the Dalai Lama was laughing. He thought it was the funniest thing. So he said, well, let's go get some tea. So he went down to the lodge. And they were sitting at this table. And he said it was very quiet. He said, I still didn't feel very comfortable around him because it's the Dalai Lama and this woman was bussing tables this young college age woman was bussing tables and she came up to their table to take away the empties and looked at him and said you're the Dalai Lama right and he was taken aback by how forward she was and he said yes I am and so she sat down beside him and said I have a question for you and he said okay 
She said, what's the meaning of life? Oh, my God. I said, at that moment, she asked the one question we all wanted to ask, but we're intimidated to. Right. And he said, oh, that's easy. The meaning of life is to be happy. The difficult question is, what makes you happy? Mm. And that story is always wow. me a bit, too. It's like, yes. Oh. So my life is the pursuit of finding out what makes me happy. Exploring the toy chest. Lovely. And do you find that changes for you quite often? Or are you pretty consistently aware of what that is? And you just continue to enjoy yourself and hone whatever it is that adds to your happiness? Well, sometimes one thing that made me happy eventually doesn't make me happy anymore. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, okay, well, that's done. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, we all had our favorite toy that no longer is our favorite toy, right? So it really is that joyful search through our toy chest of life to constantly engage with the things that bring us happiness. That's my way of looking at it anyway. No, it's beautiful. So I'd like to give you an opportunity to being cognizant of time. Where can the, the radio listeners and the podcast subscribers for anybody who wants to reach out to you and talk to you about your coaching systems, your teaching systems, or to find out more about you or uh, get you on the stage at a speaking engagement? Like where can people connect with you? What's, what's your best uh, way of reaching you? Uh, they can reach me by, on Facebook, T Crane, T-E-E-C-R-A-N-E. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another T crane on the Facebook world as well. That's not me, but you can pretty, Is much it really? yeah, I was the only one for a long time. And then somebody yeah. else used the same name. Whoa. Um, you can reach me as T crane on Twitter, T crane on Facebook, uh, T crane on LinkedIn as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've tried to maintain the same thing all the way across. The other thing is drop me an email if you want, which is T at T crane.com T E E at T-E-E-C-R-A-N-E.com. Fantastic. Yeah. And so, so, you know, in uh, reflecting back on this time, this lovely time that we got to share with one another, is there anything that you wish that I would have asked of you, T, that I haven't? No, Lisa, this was remarkable. I really enjoy our chats. They're just great. Well, I absolutely enjoy our chats too. But again, this is your opportunity to shine. And, uh, you know, if there's anything else that you think is uh, important or beneficial, for people moving forward yeah yeah so what i would say as i mentioned earlier the vertical living uh system the eight tools if anybody is feeling that they're they're uh overwrought or they're emotionally unbalanced or they're feeling like life is very overwhelming which a lot of people are nowadays Mm -hmm. just reach out to me i help anybody who asks and i do offer a one hour no charge no obligation consultation where I can help settle you by giving you one of these tools and immediately you'll feel an effect. So feel free to reach out to me and I'd be more than happy to, to give you something that will, uh, that will help get you through. Fantastic. Well, T, I just want to thank you very much for the gift of your time. I always thoroughly Mm. enjoy our conversations. I just love how down to earth you are. And uh, these interviews always go way too quickly for my liking, but you're always welcome to come back should there be any future updates that you wish to share with the international uh, loyal listeners and the podcast subscribers. But um, again, I just want to thank you. And uh, you're just such a breath of fresh air, especially amidst these times where people are feeling quite anxious and quite Mm -hmm. overwhelmed and and, uh, really not sure what's ahead for all of us. So Thank you for just bringing some clarity and just being calm. I really appreciate mm. calm people. <laughs> <laughs> you people. <laughs>
So thank, thank you so you. much, Lisa. Yeah, thank this you. Has been great. Yeah. And to the listeners, I want to thank you as well for the gift of your time and for tuning in to myself and mm-hmm. T. Crane of this week on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Uh, I'm very clear on my purpose. My purpose is to uplift you to fear less and to live more. Until next Friday when we're joined by yet another phenomenal guest, I wish you safety, healthy, wellness, and, and just stay uplifted. Love and gratitude, friends. And to you as well, T. Take care and all my best. Bye-bye, everybody. All the best. Hey, this is Al Cole from CBS Radio thanking you once again for taking time out of your hectic schedules to tune in to another fantastic weekly episode of Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Another shout out of wholehearted gratitude to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald's corporate sponsors, Helton Honda, Forever, and Aha That. Your reviews, clicks, shares, downloads, feedback, and testimonials are always appreciated. Lisa's purpose and mission is to uplift you to fearless and to live more. To appear as a prospective guest on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald or to connect with Lisa regarding her suite of products and services, you can reach Lisa at livingfearlesslywithlisa.com. And until next week, our fearless friends, this is Al Cole from CBS Radio telling you to be your own hero. Be your own hero, be your own leader, and be your own best friend. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.